Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I like the sound of that. Hi, everybody. This is Star Wars fun for everyone, especially me. I am your host, Tom Sutton. The Star Wars hits keep rolling in. It's been another good week. Man, like uh, Star Wars Celebration was really fun. Uh, for those that don't know, um, they do a kind of a live stream of um, a large portion of the um, of the convention. So there are certain big panels that they don't stream, um, or a lot of the bigger panels, but um, they do all those live stage interviews. That all hits the internet, and they do do some of the panels. Um, it was really fun. Like uh, so, for me here in Queensland, um, the that usually kicked off around seven p.m., seven thirty, something like that. So uh, yeah, in the evening, I could just kind of sit out on the couch, and <laughs> it was almost like watching the evening Star Wars news. It was quite fun. Some really cool interviews, you know. Um, I guess one of the ones that. Like, I'm a bit, I've, so much has happened, I'm a bit unclear about what I already talked about in the last episode, so sorry if I'm just going over the same stuff again. Um, <laughs> it's definitely a possibility that that is going to happen. But she, um, I mean, every time I hear her talk, I'm just like really blown away. I just think she's awesome. Um, obviously, we'll see what happens with the show itself. But uh, she's fantastic. She was, you know, very moved to be on stage talking Star Wars. And she actually said at one point that Star Wars saved her life. And, uh, yeah. So <clears throat> there was a, um, a teaser trailer shown for the Acolyte. Uh, reactions have been positive. They said it was super action-packed. Lots of Jedi on screen and, like, some really amazing... Uh, prequel-style lightsaber battles, which will be pretty cool to see. I'm pumped for that. Um, yeah, the, so the teasers that were shown at the at Star Wars Celebration that have not been released to the public are The Acolyte, um, and or Season 2, and Skeleton Crew. Um, some of the reactions to the Skeleton Crew one are that it it's not all that Star Wars-y. Like, it feels very, like, almost, like, real-world-ish. Um, I mean, it, it's about these kids who accidentally end up on a, an adventure. So I think it kind of starts for these kids in their kind of normal life, which I guess is a bit more real-world-ish. And, uh, yeah, the wacky Star Wars business is to come after that. Um, but, yeah, I just want to, you know, kind of give gratitude to everyone who worked on providing that live stream for the, the, the people at home, the Star Wars fans at home, because it was really nice to have to have that, to kind of feel involved. There's, of course, a discussion to be had about, like, why don't they stream some of the bigger panels? Obviously, they're doing it because they feel like, well, the people who made the effort, who paid the money and made the effort um, to be here, they sh there should be something special for them and only for them. I, I, I get that. Um, but it's also like, that's a tiny percentage of your, um, of your fan base, you know, uh, that can make it to those things. Um, but it, yeah, whatever. All that stuff will, 
arrive when it do- when it arrives. You know, from past experience, you you know that it's on its way. Just got to be patient. Um, but yeah, it was all it was really fun. Uh, I just watched some of an interview with Katie Sackoff and Rick Famuyiwa about Mandalorian. That was good as well. Really fun one with Rosario Dawson. Um, I think her name is Natasha Liu Bordizo, who's playing um, Sabine. And uh, who was the third? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, Marie something or other Winstead. These triple barrel names, they're tricky, man. <laughs> who's playing Hera. Yeah, that was a good one as well. All right, but that, it was just fun. Like, uh, I just like that feeling in the air of, like, Star Wars stuff is happening, you know. And they announced that the next one will be in 2025 in Japan, no less. Now, I've talked on the on the uh, podcast about what an awesome time I had at the first one that was in Japan, which was in 2008, I believe. Um, I have, in the past, described it as three of the best days of my life. <laughs> um yeah, I so I'm thinking about going, but I almost I kind of feel also like so watching watching the live stream those those live sta- stage interviews they're so fun, um, and I really have to assume like cause, so they they didn't have that at the at the Japanese celebration that I went to, they just had the panels. I kind of I wonder if they can even do it because the the demands of translation will be so heavy. Like I, I had that experience where, you know, you're in the Mark Hamill panel and he cracks a joke and me and three other people laugh and then the the translator translate it and there's a, there's a kind of murmur of laughter in the place. You know, it's a bit like, I don't know, man. It's I In a way, I kind of feel like I have done Star Wars Celebration Japan once and if I'm going to spend the money and take the time to go to another one, it would be pretty fun to go to one in the US and just have the full, just fucking Star Wars onslaught experience, you know? Because I think, I mean, it's been, obviously that was 15 years ago or something, so it's not going to be the same thing again. But I do wonder if, you know, if it, when it's in the US that there's so much stuff in America already that, that people can just you know, load up their stuff and bring it over and it's a very... Because people did describe Celebration London as a smaller kind of convention with less stuff. Still, everyone was super positive about it. Everyone everyone who comes home from Celebration talks about just what a fantastic ex- experience it is. So, um, yeah, I'll, but uh, let's see. Let's see where the time and finances are uh, as we get closer to it would be cool like i've i'm at the point where i've been away from japan long enough that i'm feeling nostalgic for it um and i'm sure that i'll have friends who will be there i mean horse burkhart constant you know he he's always talking about like how he can't wait to get to japan and if i could be there and uh in a way act as a bit of a guide for whores and whoever else is, you know, part of that whole community that wouldn't mind a bit of help with, uh, you know, knowing where to go and what to do. I'd be happy to do that. Um, but anyway, 
Um, let's see how that goes. Um, some other highlights from Star Wars Celebration London. New Visions trailer. So Vision Season 2 hits Disney Plus on May the 4th. So that is less than three weeks away at this point, which is really exciting. Um, so contrary to, the, to Season 1, which was all Japanese studios, this one will be studios from around the world. And uh, the trailer looked pretty awesome, i got to say. Like, it was um, pretty exciting. Um, I'm assuming, like, my reaction will be a bit similar to season one, which was like, yeah, this is all cool, but it's like, it's not exactly Star Wars. And there's, like, endless hours of stuff that isn't Star Wars, Star Wars that I can watch. <laughs> If I want to watch stuff that's not exactly Star Wars, so if you're going to do Star Wars, a Star Wars animated short, like I'd kind of prefer it to be um, something that almost could slot into continuity or canon as we know it, not story-wise, but just like style-wise. But um, anyway, that what we saw in the trailers looked. Look really cool. And there's some big names attached, you know, like the Ardman Studio was going to do one. The representative from, from Ardman was, yeah, she said something that really kind of touched me. She said uh, that it was, her mum was actually in the audience and she said uh, that this is kind of dedicated to mums and that they are the, you know, the true superheroes of the world. And I actually had to, I messaged my mum directly afterwards and said, listen to this nice thing this lady said. Um, but yeah, then they, they had a panel with a bunch of the, uh, you know, the people heading up those animation studios or those animation teams. And they each one of them was fascinating, you know. Um, the guy from Chile was super interesting. Um, and talking about, you know, there's a lot of kind of political stuff from uh, Chile in that piece. Um, another guy, the guy from India was fascinating. He like was really fun to listen to. And a lot of the designs in there, I just felt like it was like a twist on Star Wars, but it felt very Star Wars to me. Um, their villain looked super good, man. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. So my, yeah, I think that I'm potentially going to like season two more than I liked season one. Um... I feel like there's more variation. I felt like season one was a lot of these kind of like, you know, Jedi doing something, ends up fighting a bad guy with a red lightsaber stuff. Um, I feel like there's a bit more variety on offer on this in this one. Uh, but let's see. That was cool. Um, other news, Bad Batch is getting a, se a third season, not surprisingly, but uh, I guess the news was that that will be the final season, which seems to sit right with uh, everyone that I've heard comment on it. Um, looking at the pacing of the, the how the story's been un unfolding, uh, three seasons feels about right. Um, I've, as I've said before, it's been a bit frustrating with like episodes that didn't really contribute much to the overall story. And like I think if the characters were like super kick-ass and funny and like like super charismatic, like I wouldn't mind that. 
like if it was just an adventure of the week, if it was funnier or like, well, you know, like I feel like one of the, the kind of inbuilt issues with that show is that all the characters are clones. They don't have backstories, basically. Like they all grew up together, had the exact same like upbringing. So there's just nothing to learn about them. Like if you think of like in, in gen- like a normal cast they're all coming from different places and learning about each other and all that stuff is a big part of the story um and then you know you can, as you kind of unveil different things about each character that keeps you really engaged but in this case it's like they were grown in a test tube and then they got sent out to sh- to fight battle droids and that's like their whole story really all the main characters um so i just I'm kind of glad that it's going to be just the three seasons. Um, some of the, like, the really good episodes of season two were fucking awesome, though. Like, so I'm ready. I'm ready to uh, enjoy season three when it comes out. Um, I would like to think it w- would be a bit more, um, have a bit more meat in every single episode, but let's see. Um... Another positive thing about that to me is that it now opens the door for what they want to do next animation-wise. Um, what could it be? I saw rumors going around like they're going to do like a, um, a Han Luke Leia series set between episodes six and seven. Um, I mean, it would really work, but I just... Like the pressure on that would be massive. Like if it if it wasn't totally kicking ass, like you would you would never hear the end of it. Um, so yeah, but I, nothing was said about that at celebration. So let's see. Um, but yeah, that's good news. Uh, I saw a, a fun panel. Doug Chang and the art art uh, the art of Star Wars. Um, A, like Doug Chang, is there a better human being on the entire planet? Maybe Rob Halford, I don't know. (laughs) But just, he is adorable. Um, So it was lovely to see him, um, yeah, talking about a lot of the concept art behind Kenobi and um, Mandalorian. Um, when it comes to Kenobi stuff, so, you know, sorry to be a dick here, but there was a bit of a pattern of him showing this was, these were the original ideas for this. And it's like some amazing looking setting. And then he, he said, yes, but for these reasons, we went with this and it's just like a, a brown nothing, <laughs> which is what they ended up using in the show. Uh, so I, I'm talking about, um, like that first duel between Kenobi and Vader that ended up just looking like it was in a, like a, a quarry or something and the final duel which was a pretty cool setting but it's just I think just a few extra bits of shininess bit of color or something would have helped that scene and then another one was uh yeah Fortress Inqui- Inquisitorious which um, infamously was a very much more boring looking version of what we uh, got in Jedi Fallen Order. Um, Yeah. 
Uh, but it was a great panel. Um, Doug Chang, take a bow. As an artist and as a human being, you are great. Um, there was another trailer dropped for, this is, the, I guess, the final trailer for Jedi Survivor. Fuck, it looks great. It's like... Like the first game got such a good reception, um, and the like the complaints about it were very like like the things that were problem that people consider problems didn't bother me very much, but I'm definitely I definitely understand what people mean by those, and um, you can see that though you know the the developers were listening and that they have addressed those issues. So, oh, what if it's even better? I mean, yeah, what they've shown looks fantastic. So I'm just, I'm up for it. It's a little bit of that thing where you're like, well, if you finish the first game with, with Vader coming after you, like, where do you go from there? But um, they're smart. They'll figure it out. Yep. All right. So that brings us to the most recent episode of The Mandalorian. This episode was, in fact, screened at Celebration. Um, and many people have commented how well people did keeping their mouths shut. Because it could have been just like, it could have been just a, an endless ocean of spoilers out there, but uh, that didn't happen. So, nice work, everybody on keeping that stuff to yourselves. What information did get out was basically, prepare yourself, it's fucking good. And uh, they were not wrong. This was awesome. What an episode. Um, I don't know, like I've watched it twice and I still, like I, I'm not, I'm going to forget half the stuff that I should talk about because, yeah, there was, just so much in the episode. Uh, this this intro, Elia Kane on Coruscant, talking to to Moff Gideon with that probe droid. Cool conversation. Blade Runner vibes up the A's hole. Yeah. Um, interestingly, okay, let's talk about this title of the episode: "The Spies," uh, not the spy, but the spies. Obviously, the, the episode starts with Elia Kane. She is a spy. Who else is a spy? That is not revealed to us in the episode. There are some theories. We'll get to them later. Um, so that was cool. That leads us to Moff Gideon going into the, um, a meeting of the... What's it called? The Shadow Council or something. This is basically a collective of the remaining Imperial Warlords. Very cool. Uh, there's one guy called Captain Pelion or something. Apparently, he's from the uh, the Heir to the Empire Throne books or whatever. I it sounds familiar. I read those books quite a long time ago, so I don't really remember him. Loved the actor. Loved the moustache. Loved the accent. That was perfect. Perfect Imperial officer casting. Um, uh, he was good. You know who else was in there? I think the name is Brendel Hux. That is um, General Hux's dad. He was all right. Um, interesting that 
it's mentioned that cloning is his thing. So General Hux's dad was into cloning. It, I'm trying to, like, is it that... So he, he's the one in charge of what's called Project Necromancer, which you have to assume that is, the, you know, the, the them trying to figure a way to resurrect Palpatine in a body that can function. Um, and it seems like Moff Gideon is also has his own kind of plans around cloning that maybe he's keeping to himself. It's interesting. Um, but yeah, the other Imperial remnant warlords were cool. It was great to see like they're all, they all are recognizably Imperial officers, but each one has a bit of a twist on the uniform now, uh, which, you know, really visually tells that story of like, this isn't the empire anymore. These are, um, they're all imperial, but uh, they're kind of their own faction in a way at this point. And they are working together. But um, yeah, they're trying to keep themselves in the shadows so that the New Republic doesn't realize that they are actually all working together and that they are uh, potentially a big danger. Um, Gideon raises the fact that uh, the Mandalorians are starting to get themselves back together. And any kind of unified Mandalore would be a threat to them. Uh, and he asks for more gear to deal with them. He asks for TIE interceptors, TIE bombers, and three Praetorian guards. <laughs> Ooh, baby. I just... Man... I love the sequel trilogy, and when we get some connectivity to those films, it just makes me, I'm just, it makes me pumped. And it was, of course, like, about the first thing I thought was like, what are they going to be like, you know? But yeah, uh, so that was a cool opening. Let's go to the section where, uh, I mean, that stuff with, trying to get IG-11 working again. And then it just doesn't work out. And then it seems to just be like forgotten. And everyone was like, did they seriously just do all that for nothing? They did not. Um, we see one of the Anzellans. Oh, I, can't, I don't have any Anzellan figures. I need a Babu Freak figure. I've got a picture of him on my door, on my front door. So I get to see him every time I leave the house. But um, yeah, one of the Anzellans rides what is now called IG-12 into Grief Karga's office. And it's not so much a droid anymore, but like a mech suit <laughs> for Grogu, which, man, it was just awesome. I just loved, like, you see the Anzellan kind of walk him into the office. He climbs out. Grief uh, puts... Grogu in. Din is not into this idea at all. He he says straight out, Grogu's not old enough for this kind of shit. And Grief says, let him let him have a go. What's fun about the suit is basically it's controlled, as far as we can tell from looking at it, with two little like joysticks, right? What's super cute is the joysticks have the the joysticks have these like silvery balls on top. 
So remember the silvery ball from the the Razor Crest, which Grogu was obsessed with. Now he's got two two of his own. It's so wonderful, and not not only does he have the two little silvery balls. Speaking of balls, I just had a vasectomy t- two days ago. I feel all right. It was uh, a lot less pain, you know, pretty much painless, to be honest. You know, you feel a bit delicate after afterwards. You're supposed to lie down for two days, which I did. Yeah, anyway, sorry, TMI. Um, but yeah, he has the two silvery orbs to play with. That's awesome. But he also has a yes-no button or buttons. So now Grogu is capable of saying yes and no. And it was glorious. I love Rick Famuyiwa's sense of humor. Like, he directed what was by far my favorite episode of season one with the Jawas. Um, And that was like one of the more like straight up funny episodes, I would say. It was, I mean, it had drama, it had action, it had all that good stuff, but it was uh, a very funny one. Um, and it was just hilarious. And it, when it cuts to them walking down the street, and it's just Grogu in IG-12 just going like, yes, 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 yes. It's so fun. Um, thumbs up, man. Like it's, this is a dense episode and to throw that bit of fun in the top, uh, like towards the, the beginning. Excellent. Really smart. All right. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna, I, like I said, I'm going to miss stuff. They they get the you know the kind of night owls gang, shall we call them the night owls gang? That's Axe Woves and um, uh, Cosca Reeves and all that bunch, and the children of the Watch all together. Of course, there is tension, bit of conflict later on. Cosca Reeves. Fuck yes. I'm so glad like I I um cuz you know as I mentioned I've just really become a fan of uh, Bo-Katan this season so I bought I bought a Black Series figure and a vintage collection figure actually. And um then I was like maybe she needs Cosca Reeves to keep her company so I grabbed her and then Cosca Reeves fucking tore shit up in this episode. We'll get back to that later on but uh yeah so she's super cool um just on the those men the the, the axe woves gang the night owls i forgot to mention when i was talking about um the episode before i, I re-watched that episode actually and um you know the really weird stuff is really in one in that scene near the end where they give them like the key to the city and grogu gets knighted and stuff. it's like kind of crosses the line of ridiculousness a bit but most of the episode is pretty, you know, not that insane. Yeah, it's good. I like the episode. Um, but that that opening with the uh, the Quarren and Mon Cal cross lover, star cross lovers was fantastic. L- absolutely wonderful. Yeah, so I forgot to mention that. It was just it was so good. All right, back back to this episode. Um, Yeah, some cool scenes, you know, um, the armorer talking to people, Bo-Katan talking to the gang. Um, they decide to start the process of returning and reclaiming 
Mandalore. So they get, you know, they go, we're going to get everyone up in the ships, but we're going to have a landing party who goes and scopes it out and makes sure we have somewhere safe to be before everyone else comes down. So it's a mixture of Children of the Watch and Night Owl Gang. Um, they land. It's awesome. It's a really good looking episode. I feel like um, like the last, the last episode had quite a lot of stuff that where it just looked ver- super like clean and not f- didn't have much a- atmosphere to it. This one felt like it was a bit like the color correction was a bit darker or more moody or something. Um, looked great. I love Mandalore. I love the look of Mandalore. It just looks kick ass. But they they land. They head off towards the you know to look for the the Great Forge, which is this, the center of uh, Mandalorian civilization. And this, like, land ship approaches them, which was an awesome design. That looked super cool. And who's on there but a bunch of Mandalorians who survived the purge and have remained living on Mandalore this entire time. I love that exchange. I love, I love that, like, the, the ship pulls up and the first question is, question is, do you have any food? Because they're, like, starving, you know, like... They're, they've been barely surviving all this time. <laughs> First thing on their mind is, do you have any food? I love that. And I love that. that is, is that the voice of Bo-Katan, Princess Bo-Katan Kreese? And she's like, it is, you know, and it's just, oh, it, I don't know. Like the timing of that exchange was just right. And that main um, survivor Mandalorian guy, awesome voice. He looks awesome. Those survivors... Like, I'm sorry to be, like, super, like, predictable, but because they look super dirty and, like, fucked up, they look so cool. Like, that's that's just my taste. I like dirty rock and roll. I like dirty Star Wars. I don't really like clean, shiny Star Wars that much, unless it's Imperial stuff. That's different, for different obviously. Or First Order. Anyway, um, yeah, really fun. And it's just, you know, bam, another faction welcomed in. And they can, you know, they take them off to the... Uh, they said, we can show you where the, the forge is. Let's go. Um, then we have this this thing where there's a kind of yeah, really nice scene of Bo-Katan talking about how she feels her selfishness has contributed a lot to the downfall of Mandalore and the destruction of her people. Um, and I get, like... Like, as a member of Death Watch, yeah, she was... That was some pretty fucked up shit she was in, involved in. Um, I actually don't really remember all that Mandalorian stuff in Rebels. I remember getting finding it a little bit tedious. Um... But I'm slowly making my way through Rebels on a rewatch. So, um, yeah, I, I, that'll be interesting to see now with this perspective. Um, and a really beautiful uh, support from Din. He says, like, the whole Darksaber thing, my crew never even, we, don't, we never even heard of that. Like, that's not important. It's not important to me. What's important to me is is like loyalty and I, don't, I can't remember what else he said. Loyalty, honor, this kind of stuff, you know. And he says, 
something like the line is something like your song is not yet written but I'll stay with you until it is and it's great I love that those two have like become a, like a really good team like I think everyone assumed that when Din ended up with the dark saber which is the th thing that she was hunting that she had her heart set on that it was going to be like well Bo-Katan's not exactly a nice person it's going to be Dean versus Bo. Um, I'm kind of glad that it didn't go that way. I think it's such a cool thing having them together. Um, and we get this scene of um, Axe Woves and Paz Vizsla, the big dude, getting in, into a Barney over board game rolls. <laughs> it was good. It was a cool fight. It was like, yeah, as Bo-Katan said, it was, it was going to happen eventually. And we as viewers knew that as well. But it was cool. And then you get this amazing moment where Grogu in the in IG-12 steps in and he hits the, the button. No. <laughs> so cool. It was great. And it was just like this, this, like, it's such a smart thing because it's like, it's silly and funny. That's good. It's um, it, like IG-11 gave his life to protect Grogu and now he and, and Grogu are one in a way. That's cool. Um, and it allows Grogu to have a lot more kind of like agency and to be much more active and be a, become a part of the story much more rather than kind of being um, a backpack that they have to carry around, you know, a lot of the time. Um, so that was cool, really nice. Um, yep, then we get this bit where they're arriving and... There's a bloody huge monster. All right, I'm sick of bloody huge monsters in The Mandalorian, but it was a good bloody huge monster, and the scene of that one just smashing the fuck out of that um, that air skimmy doodah ship was great. I loved it. It just looked like carnage, man. Just everything on fire, blowing up, and just Mandalorian scattering, and it was cool. And they didn't try to fight it. They just hustled their way down into, you know, towards the forge because they were right there at the entrance to where the forge is. And they go in, down in there and you get these great sh shots of them kind of, yeah, looking kind of sad at what has happened to their home world. Um, and then, okay, so these... You get these guys uh, established earlier... So in that, when you see Moff Gideon heading towards that meeting, you see these, they are basically a kind of stormtrooper. Quite different in design from other kinds of stormtroopers that we've seen. It's not dis discussed or anything in the beginning what they are, but that you see them. And... Um, or does he mention that they are jet troopers or jetpack troopers or whatever? Whatever, doesn't matter. You get like, yeah, a whole, like a... A bunch of these guys come in to attack him. And pff, a pretty excellent action scene ensues. Um, they, yeah, they, it, it's, point, it's um, pointed out that these troopers are actually wearing Beskar. That's part of why they are, why, and we'll, we'll get to that later. We'll get to it later. Um, but yeah, cool action scene. It's pretty like tough aggressive like i said Costco Reeves has some really cool ath athletic kick-ass moments some really just creative 
uses of you know grappling hooks and whatnot. It's um, it's not like a it's not a one-sided fight where the Mandalorians just mop the floor with these troopers. Like it's pretty tough, man. They lose Mandalorians. Of course, a lot of troopers go down, but it's very. It's got a real energy to it. It's yeah, it's really cool. And they, the troopers start losing. They start retreating. The Mandalorians chase them, and I remember like just going like, "What's going on here?" Like, this is suddenly looking quite tidy. These corridors look a bit imperial. What? Oh, Jesus! And you find out. Moff Gideon, his base of operations is Mandalore. And they've walked into a trap. And he basically, he said, like, they they go in and, like, these kind of, like, blast doors come down, except Din gets trapped on the far side of one of them. He gets captured by Moff Gideon, who has brand new cool armor. It's supposed to be like the um, evolution of the Dark Trooper armor, because it seemed like they had like these like dark this like Dark Trooper armor that you know troopers would wear. And then what we saw in season two was supposed to be you know the end of that evolution, where it's just droids now. But they seem to have gone gone. No, maybe it is good to have actual you know, like an exoskeleton for people to wear and Gideon's wearing it and he looks awesome. I always liked Gideon's look, but he looks actually super cool in this this outfit. And he looks good with the jetpack. He looks good. And the troopers look pretty cool. It's not one of my favorite trooper designs, but it, it's all right. It's all right. I liked it. Um, so Din gets captured and yeah, Gideon basically says, Thanks for bringing all the Mandalorians together so I can wipe them out uh, in the most convenient way possible. And he says, I'm going to send a, um, an attack on your ships and I'm going to wipe you guys out. Um, Bo- Paz Vizsla turns to Bo-Katan, drops a massive, this is the way. Oh, yeah, so they, dr- they take Din off. And, um, yeah, Paz Vizsla drops, so this is the way. So Bo runs back towards the blast door that dropped behind him and starts cutting a hole in it with the Darksaber. The front door lifts and it's just on for young and old. Um, Paz Vizsla is just, you know, that massive, like the minigun he has. It's funny that miniguns are massive. Like, it's not very mini, is it? It's mini if it's, like because it's like the kind of gun that's usually attached to the bottom of a fighter plane. <laughs> uh, it's a mini version of that, I suppose. That's why it's called a minigun, but it's still like the biggest gun that any of them are carrying. Anyway, it's on for young and old once more with the troopers. It's fucking good. It's really cool. A bu- the, the, the bow cuts through. She's got like... She, Mandalorians are escaping out the back. Oh, earlier. Because there were... I forgot to mention this. Because there were a lot of sick and starving people on that land ship the armorer actually says these ones can't come with us i'll take them up to the ship to um 
so that they can be treated and uh, fed, fed and treated. And um, so she's actually gone at this point. She's flown up to the rest of the Mandalorian fleet. That may be important information later. So Bo-Katan's getting everyone out that hole that she cut. Paz Vizlo is just cutting sick with the minigun. She gets everyone through the hole, but he's like still going for it. And he's, he's doing damage, man. That minigun, it's, it's pretty lethal. And she says, dude, time to go. And he says, mm-mm, I'm staying because I can hold him off. That gives you time to get out of here or the rest of you. Classic, classic hero business. And I haven't always loved Paz Vizsla. He's a bit of a dick, <laughs> but fucking redemption, man. This is a, it was an amazing scene. Bo, of course, tries to change his mind. He says, you know, probably drops it. This is the way. I don't remember, but I'm sure he does. She leaves and he's just like, right. And amazingly, with all these troopers, he's just like, it's just unleashing hell. The gun is heating up and heating up until it just... It's like basically a glowing tube of hot metal. So he has to throw it down. And he somehow manages to defeat every one of these jetpacking Beskar troopers on that platform. And it's just like, ah, wow, nice work, buddy. Spoke too soon. The aforementioned Praetorian guards. Oh, they looked sick, man. They looked sick. Like, I love the Praetorian Guards in The Last Jedi. These guys, I mean, they, they were, you know, had, there's obvious ties, ties to the, the Emperor's Royal Guards from Return of the Jedi. They turn up and make quick work of Paz Vizsla. That's the end of that. They were awesome. Gimme Star Wars figures. I need those guys. Um, their weapons had a bit of that like purple color in the like, you know, because they're like these kind of like energy weapons, you know, like the, like the, the knives and the, the staff and that whip thing that they have in The Last Jedi. But in this case, it's purple. I don't know why. I don't like purple in Star Wars. I'm not a big fan of purple in general, I guess. But I don't know. To me, it's not part of the color palette of Star Wars. That's the only negative thing I have to say about that because they looked super, super good and they just executed them. It was a bit Game of Thrones-ish, to be honest, because they have to work around that Beskar armor he's wearing, you know, but they do it very efficiently. Um, so that was just super good. And yeah, bam, heart-stopping end to the episode. So yeah, all up, the, you know, the reaction to that episode has been hugely positive. Um, people love it. I loved it. And that's the second to last episode of the season. It makes me think, what's the last episode going to be like? It's again directed by Rick Famuyiwa. <sighs> Damn. It hasn't been a consistent season. It hasn't had the... The flow and the, the, the focus of the first two. Um, I think it's possible to have really enjoyed the season despite that. But yeah, it has felt a bit more um, 
made up as it goes along. But this episode was so good and the, this coming episode I have high expectations for. And if yeah, if it's a great, ep- great episode, great last episode of the season, I think overall we can look back on this season and go, it was a bit messy, but it was... There was a lot of great stuff in it. Um, yeah, great. I'm looking forward to that, man. And I can't wait to watch these two episodes back to back. I bet that'll be good. All right, folks. Um, my voice is getting tired and I've got more English teaching to do today. So I think that's it. Uh, no extra uh, segments today. Um, but yeah, Star Wars celebration makes me happy always. Like, it's just so good to get like new information and just to see like these like gigantic rooms with thousands of people all like just having fun and enjoying Star Wars, which is after all the point. All right. But, uh, everybody, thank you for listening. It's been fun. Looking forward to a big episode next week after the season finale. My name is Tom Sutton and this is Star Wars One for Everyone. Respect me, memory.